0: It's Wednesday, September the 6th, and you're very welcome to the weekly politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. On today's show, we'll be talking to Barry Cowan, Fianna Fáil spokesperson from Housing, on proposals from the party to give added incentives to the building industry and other issues, including the impending repayment of water charges. Later on, we'll be joined by our political correspondent, Fia Kelly, who's with the Sinn Féin Thinkin in County Meath, and we'll be hearing about the party's own latest thinking on what to do about its leadership and also the situation in Northern Ireland. But before we start, I just wanted to tell you that we will be recording a live show as part of the first Dublin Podcast Festival, which runs from the 19th to the 30th of September with all kinds of podcasting goodness. Myself and the Inside Politics crew will be in the Workman's Club in Dublin as part of a podcast extravaganza, it says here, at a quarter to four on Sunday, September the 24th. You can just come along for us or you can book for the full day. And what better way to spend a Sunday, I ask myself. Anyway, to find out more just and to book your tickets, just go to Dublin. DublinPodcastFestival.ie That's DublinPodcastFestival.ie And I'm joined in studio by Pat Lee. Pat, how are you today? Good morning, Hugh. Also on the line, Barry Cown. Barry Cown, thanks for joining us this morning. Can I ask you about the report in last weekend's Sunday Business Post which suggested that you and Fianna Fáil are now proposing a series of tax incentives or at least tax reductions for the building industry to address the housing crisis?
1: You know, we're well aware of the failings of government in recent years and the neglect on this issue which has led us to this uh, dreaded vista whereby uh, the statistics emanating from everything to do with the failure of housing is having a detrimental effect on the economy and on society. So it is our duty and our responsibility to bring forward measures which we believe can have a positive effect in the short and medium term. And the basic problem is one of supply. And, you know, to build houses, we need builders. Builders need to be in a competitive market in order to partake in the, in, in the provision of housing, And at present, they cannot do so for a number of reasons. So we've come forward with a wide range of proposals in relation to the private sector and in relation to the state's responsibility and how they can respond and respond better and more adequately than they have done in the past. And this measure, in relation to that, is targeted at the provision of affordable homes. And, you know, it's not a blanket... Um, holiday that is portrayed by some commentators and those who who oppose us, uh, even the minister, in response to a questions I put to him in June, had said a blanket proposal such as this would cost 240 million and wouldn't work in isolation, and that had been confirmed by the ESRI, and I and I accept that, and I never intended for it to be one uh, solution on its own. It is part of a wide range of suite of measures that are necessary, including this one, to help and assist in the provision of, of, of more homes. And we talk about the construction sector, you know, and I hear people jump uh, to, to talk to categorise it as being pro developers and big developers at Fianna Fáil going back to the Galway tent days and so forth. That's not at all, and it's a caricature that's too easy to portray for some, for, for many. We want to um build houses, and builders build houses. Carpenters, block players, plasters, plumbers, um, the retail sector in relation to the provision of furnishings and so forth. This can have a positive impact in, in many facets of society. However, however, it is,
0: it is understandable, isn't it, that some people might bridle at, at uh, Fianna Fáil supporting a proposal which has been pushed most aggressively by the Construction Industry Federation, hasn't it?
1: It, it may well have been, and for, for, for good reason, as I've outlined. And I make no apologies for participating in trying to initiate the sort of response that is necessary in order to address this bloody problem because it hasn't been solved far from it in recent times. And that's my duty and responsibility, as I said earlier, and that of my party. And we are more than anxious to play our part and more than anxious to remove party politics from this and allow us to be part of the solution that government can bring forward in order to address this issue.
2: Morning, Barry Patley here. Uh, How would you address the difficulties that you've seen with such policy that we've seen before. I mean, obviously, tax incentive-led development was a big part of the construction economy in the 2000s, and uh, with all the consequences. uh, Yeah, and
1: and in some instances, uh, they were quite beneficial and helpful to many parts of the country, especially rural areas, which had become dilapidated and there was no appetite on the part of the sector to provide an incentive, to revitalise, re-energise those areas.
2: I accept that. So, I accept that entirely. But, it, but, but the flip no side doubt. of it was, in in oh, yes, particularly in the latter part, it went on for far yeah, too long. They that. were too broadly. Uh, they were too far too I broadly applied. But how I, how do you? I mean, how do you ensure against that happening again?
1: I, I accept that first of all, and I acknowledge that. And I appreciate in some instances it went too far and was too broad and was taken advantage of and was of no benefit and ultimately contributed towards uh, the problems that we've had. I accept that. And, I, and we, we have to look back on, 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 on this period and learn from it and bring forward new proposals with, with having acknowledged what has happened in the past and, and, and the difficulties that there was or the failings that there was in some policies. And in this particular instance, it's one Initiative is targeted, at, is targeted at the affordable sector, is targeted at those that cannot qualify for social housing but cannot afford a house at the price that's which they're being charged. And we're saying the construction sector is saying, and it has been proven in recent times, that the cost of construction is barring money from entering into uh, the, the, the sector. So you look at planning and development costs, you look at certification costs, for example, in relation to compliance matters, which wouldn't be compromising on that. Attacking the credibility of that process, but it's interesting to see that in the north and in the UK it costs a fifth of what it is in this jurisdiction. That's something that has to be investigated, and there's a process by which that could be adjudicated and implemented by the state, rather than the private sector, where it is presently. And local authorities could play a role there and could generate income for local authorities. The cost, the cost of finance path, is another issue, and the government have made no effort to to, to bring forward. The will that is there within pension funds, within private funds, within credit unions who want to invest in a vehicle that can give them a return, but that can give the state a return on the provision of social houses. And that's another aspect of the policy. That Politically you must have this,
2: you must have known that this would lead to the sort of charges that fairly predictably uh, fairly predictably oh, followed. Of
1: course it. I did. Of course I did that. And I'm prepared to take on those charges. And I'm prepared to acknowledge from where they came, and I'm prepared to uh, target the, the, the proposal rather than the blanket, uh, you know, uh, holiday that 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 one jumped to the conclusion, and many did. Even the minister has jumped to that same conclusion. When I read your own article, your own piece this morning, by Theo Kelly, that says he has rejected the proposal. I know he rejected the proposal as a blanket proposal based on the question that I had asked asked him in June. But I'm specifically now looking at targeted. Uh, effort to stimulate the provision of affordable homes where they're required and where they are too expensive presently. So this is a no, different so this is a
0: different proposal then so so what you're saying is that our lead story in today's Irish Times by Fia Kelly, which says that the that uh, Minister Pascal who has rejected that proposal, he's rejecting a previous one. That's not the one you were talking about at the weekend.
1: I can only assume that because I haven't spoke directly to Pascal Donoghue or to Owen Murphy in relation to the specifics of this proposal that we are making, amongst others. Amongst others, I might add. And as I said, you know, when I put that question to, and you can check the record, I think it was the 17th of June, the questions were asked in the DAW by myself of Pascal Dunham, in relation to the effect that VAT holiday would have, and the cost associated with it, and his commentary, and his response to such a proposal. And it's quite detailed in, in, in how he responds, and I respected his response, and I acknowledged his response, and that has to affirmation that he gave to it by virtue of the ESRI and what they had to say, you know, I'm not knocking that. I'm saying there's merit in that. Because the ESRI said it may only be considered in the context of a suite of measures, rather than it being on its own specifically, and especially if it's to be a blanket. Uh, holiday.
0: I think we, I think we, we can all agree, and everybody who's looking at this can agree that this is a complex and multifaceted problem. That if we're going to get out of it, is going to require complex and multifaceted solutions, isn't it? Though, as as Pat says, a little unfortunate, perhaps for for fall, particularly given the party's history, and not just about tax incentives during well, during the boom history, years, but the, but it's the party too. of Frank Dunlop and Liam Lawler, the party of <laughs> Ray Burke. Well, you know that that would be associated history. as the only party putting forward this proposal at the moment.
1: The, the, the party has a proud history in the provision of social housing too, in the 30s and in the 70s. And if the state presently or the government presently continued at the rate at which houses were being built by the state even in 2010, there'd be a lot more provided than has been provided by this government. Only 2,400 social houses have been provided by the state in relation to new construction since 2010. That's a fact.
0: So how much so tax how much start, tax would if how much tax would be forgone? I don't, I
1: don't, well listen, I don't take kindly to being told that China Fall and its history in relation to in relation to housing is a bad one. Far from it. But but I, I'm not fearful of the mistakes of the past and its impact in relation to the solutions of today and into the future. I'm pragmatic. I'm elected. I'm a representative of the party. I've been given a responsibility, and haven't consulted with the party. This is part of the solution that we believe is necessary at this present day. But given which that very, means, given that very history, given hear.
0: that very, given that very proud history of Fianna Fáil, which you've just referenced, would it not be better for the party to focus more on the provision of social housing, which it largely did itself in the, sure, in the from the you, 1930s to the 1970s, yeah, and sure the return to return to you, that as a policy?
1: Sure, Hugh, as I said to you, and I've said on many occasions. This is, this is multifaceted. There's a, there's, a double, there's a responsibility here on the state in one, on one side of defence and on the private sector in relation to the other. And we're saying that we're making proposals in relation to the two. And it's multifaceted, and then there's many more proposals. As I said, to you, in relation to the state, the state is only investing 51% of what it invested in 2008 in relation to local authority and their provision of social houses and new construction. That's a fact, too. But that has to be improved. And how can it be improved? It can be improved if, for example, and the government has talked about it themselves and if they want to go about it, they could do so in relation to raising funds off finance, off balance sheet, in order to provide uh, houses to, to 90,000 that are on waiting lists. And there's 90,000 households. That's an awful lot more people than 90,000. But they have failed miserably in this regard. And as I said to you, there's, there's you know, NAMA presently, uh, has a model by which it can attract funds off balance sheet, construct units and lease. And that's something that should be explored in relation to their the way in which they could manage much, many state lands.
0: So, so in, and, rela- and local in relation to that and, and, to, and to your other proposals, where, where do we go from here, Barry? It's not like in previous dolls where you're the opposition party and you're putting forward proposals which the government will probably choose to reject. It's a confidence exactly. of supply arrangement. You will be in negotiations and discussions with Pascal Donahue and Leo Varadkar over the
1: next few weeks. Is, this, is, this, a, is this a
0: concrete proposal which, which might it's influence in, your
1: decision? Exactly. It's in that spirit that we will enter these negotiations in relation to the forthcoming budget with a view and with the with, with will to bring forward new measures, new measures that can have an effect and go, you know, not be dependent on the conventional methods which have failed miserably in recent years. And, and this proposal, amongst others, is something we will discuss with a view to arriving at a compromise whereby we believe that at the end of which process we might have something that can yield results. And that's, that's the spirit in which we go into them, and that's the spirit we would hope that others would enter into them also.
2: On the matter of budgets, though, and budgetary plans, do you think that there's something kind of incongruous about, you know, being government being in a position where it's scrambling around for resources to put into social housing, either the de- direct provision of same or through... Uh, through plans like the one that 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 you've floated, which would cost the exchequer hundreds uh, hundreds of millions, while at no, the same time, costs.
1: you well, can well, say it would cost hundreds of millions. Well, it would
2: in in tax foregone. That's just, I mean in, in budgetary the benefits terms. That may,
1: the oh, benefits oh, sure. that may accrue to the economy from the improvement within the sector, from the various yeah, but,
2: it's, but services, it's, there is a cost.
1: Trades that I've mentioned. There,
2: there there is a cost, and perhaps this was one of the great point. mistakes that was made during during the 2000s was for the government not to count the cost of the tax foregone from various tax breaks but that's I suppose a separate uh, that's that's a separate point the the question I art, was going to ask is about saved. Yeah, yeah. The question I was going to ask uh, uh, is about the uh, about the refunding of water charges, which we'll see checks going out to whatever, a million people at some stage uh, later this year at the same time that the government is, as I say, scratching around for resources to put into social housing. Well, I
1: mean... You know,
2: first and foremost,
1: we lead with the housing question that you had. Before we get to the one in relation to water, the situation in relation to housing and housing provision and the homelessness crisis, and the housing crisis, is dire. It is absolutely dire, and it is a shame. It is shameful to think that the that this is not to the forefront of negotiations at present, or not forefront of the government. In relation to how they need to overturn their policy and overhaul their policy, even for sunset periods as said before, in order to affect the sort of changes needed, and for the minister to be meeting with 31 local authority, a uh, Friday, whom he has been, and his predecessor, been meeting regularly, uh, whom have supposedly been working with regularly in order to try and implement their two failed plans, says it all. But leaving that aside, you know the the. the, the there is a duty on on governments to look at other means rather than conventional means as I've mentioned. And it doesn't have to be a tax foregone for it to have a model whereby off balance sheet a slimmed down NAMA can provide the sort of resources, the sort of expertise and the sort of help and assistance to local authorities in order for the, the, the housing lists within those local authorities to be met that is a, an unconventional way of doing it in comparison to what has been done in recent years, and I believe and I would implore on government to, to investigate which they had committed to do, by the way, of, for which we have had no response, which they had committed to do also in relation to the rental sector, no matter how you cost it. initiatives to help and, and, and assist uh, the provision of more rental accommodation. We haven't seen that either. Now, in relation to the, to, 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 the, to the water charges issue, the government are simply reacting, as they committed to do when forming a government, to abide by the wishes of the Dáil further to the recommendations of a, an all-party committee for which they were part of too. And they are simply acknowledging that and implementing that as they are obliged to, having given that commitment to do so.
2: But it's going to cost the Exchequer €160 million. The cost Euros.
1: Asso- well, the cost associated with it and you have to remember that the regime and the, mech- and, 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 and the, the mechanism that they brought into being was costing the state.
2: Yeah, Which but the, costing, this, this, is, this is this is what euros that is going to be that is going to be paid out. That you know, I suppose you know, you could debate, and people would have different opinions on the and actual public made, demand it for it. Last year but though. it's going to go out at a time where it, it will go out of the public. Coffers at a time when there's a desperate need for public. Uh, it investment is, and in it's housing. going
1: to go out at a time when less has been spent in the area of, of, of water services and water provision than was the case in 2010. Also, yet we are told that things have improved, and I acknowledge that, and we're glad that it is the case, and, and, and revenue income is improving. But there are decisions and choices that government have to make, and there are priorities that they have to show. And the discussions that we will have with them, amongst others, in the coming weeks, will determine how serious they are about various priorities.
2: Would you you accept that it does look a bit incongruous?
1: Like, I mean, I'm an elected member of the DAW. I had entered into a process in good faith, as did many others from other parties and none, including those from within government. And they agreed a process by which uh, that issue would be dealt with. And the government now are implementing that, as was the wishes of the door, which by association is the wishes of the people.
0: Fair enough. We shall have to but leave it there.
1: In, in that context It's unfortunate that the costs associated with it, as you mentioned, have to have to be balanced, and so they will. But it's against the backdrop of many millions have been wasted by the same government in relation to that particular policy that they pursues pursues far longer than was necessary.
0: We shall leave it there, Barry Cowan. Thanks very much indeed for joining us this morning. So. You seem to be suggesting not just that this is a kind of a, you know, cut with their pants down thing for all the political parties in relation to the water water charges or the water refunds, because it does look terrible when there are people living in B&Bs and uh, the likes of you and me, I know I am anyway, will be
2: getting a check in the Post before Christmas that we don't necessarily need. I have a slight doubt about that because I have moved house, so I suspect that uh, from inquiries, so somebody else might get my check. Somebody else might get my check. Okay. But yes, um, uh, I, I, you know, uh, I, I think we have to be careful about this. It looks, as I was saying to Barry Cowan, it, it it looks at the very least highly incongruous that the government is giving away free money at a time when there's a, an obvious and desperate need for uh, public investment. uh, In housing, and you can argue in many other areas as well, but certainly uh, in housing. At the same time, uh, governments tend not to become unpopular. By giving away free stuff, free money, free services, uh, whatever. So, uh, you know, I think we need to be, uh, you know, I think we need to be careful about leaping to conclusions as to the politics of it. But I think that government will have to come up with, uh, and the opposition who own this policy just as much as uh, as the government does. Yeah, you know, I, I think they will have to come up with a. Pretty clear justification, and I'm not sure Barry quite managed to do that uh, in in the short conversation we had there for the expenditure of 160 170 million euros at a time when that sort of money could make an appreciable difference uh, in in, and in then terms just, of housing.
0: Just condition. to tease out a little bit more broadly the the housing thing itself, which is the complete elephant in the room at the moment, and seems to be and the, the question of. What, if anything, the government can do, or whether it's got its head screwed on properly in terms of a coherent approach, um, what role does Fianna Fáil have to play in all that?
2: Yeah, I was quite struck by um, the the suggestion by Barry khan uh, at the weekend, which we were just discussing there, about this tax break uh, for builders to stimulate um, uh, to stimulate investment, and I take his point about it being. Targeted and uh, and narrow and and uh, what they call a sunset clause in it, in that it would expire. Um, uh, you know, it would no, be t- we know, time. We know it would it would be time limited. Is, but know, we know that, what that, happened so before. What them. Yeah, we know what mm. happened before when Fianna Fail was in government that the builders lobbied and the tax incentive schemes were not closed down. They were extended. They were broadened. Every, you know, there was a number of different types of tax incentive scheme operating in the 90s and in the early 2000s. There was ones that were directed at sectors, so hotels, car parks and so forth. uh, And there was ones directed at specific geographical locations. And what they were enormously successful at was targeting investment into those areas, into the sectors and into the geographical areas. They were supremely successful. They were too successful. But what what followed was political weakness that did not shut those incentive schemes down when they had achieved, when they patently achieved their aims. They were almost like, for policymakers and politicians, they were like like crack cocaine. They couldn't
0: wean themselves off. And politically, I mean... Barry Cowan, and I wasn't surprised, took great umbrage at any suggestion that this was a, a long lineage of, of too close a relationship between Fianna Fáil <coughs> and, you know, the and, and the building industry. But, you know, Fintan O'Toole, um, who I suspect Barry was sort of referring to when he was talking about the enemies of the party, had a, you know, a pretty powerful opinion column yesterday where he talked about, and I quote, the builder's bum, Fianna Fáil's binder, builder's bum when it bends over to help out, you know, its friends. It reveals the hideous gap between its recent left-wing rhetoric and its true loyalties. And whatever the truth of that, you know, it's not a good look for a Fianna Fáil, which is still trying to distance itself, not just from the excesses of the boom, but a lot of stuff that went on in the preceding 20 or 30 years as well. Well,
2: all, all of that, I think, was predictable. I mean, Barry Cowan, uh, you know, is a canny enough politician from a long political lineage. He would have known precisely the uh, reaction that his suggestion uh is floating of that of that policy would have aroused um and presumably he he did so in that uh in in that knowledge now i i can only think that it's the sort of uh, it's the sort of policy that had it been proposed in yes minister that uh, sir humphrey would compliment the minister for his courageous mm. uh, decision <laughs> or his courageous approach uh, to this um, on the other hand uh, you know I, I think you have to say that we know from our history that tax incentives for builders are a massively efficient way of targeting investment. The question is whether they can be Well, I got, I got a channel. I've
0: got a Channel Finton's column again yesterday and he says you know if tax incentives for building, were the were the solution to you know a solution to the housing problems of Ireland then we'd all be living on paradise island you know because we've had so many of them over the years for and sure, we're not for sure no, no the, the
2: the point the point of it, I mean clearly they overheated the construction economy to a disastrous extent or they were complicit they they and the uh, and, and, and loose fiscal policy or loose lending policy by uh, by banks fiscal policy by government but lending policy by banks uh, overheated the construction industry to a to a disastrous extent but what the history of them also shows is that they are very efficient at targeting money for investment. The question is what happens then? Or can they be managed? In a way, it's like playing with policy fire. Are you certain to get your fingers burnt? I don't don't know. I,
0: would I be too high-minded high if I said is there not also an ethical question that, that lots of people made shed loads of money out of, out, out of this as well, as well as perhaps achieving some of those infrastructural aims and they shouldn't have made so much money. And as you, I think, suggested to Barry Cowan, that was money f- tax foregone which should have been paid to the state.
2: Yeah, in a market, in, you know, in a market economy, selfishness uh, on the part of particip- participants in capitalist economy produces public goods. It also produces private greed or it rewards private greed. That's the system well, we're living in, to an extent. Well, in what's called a rent seeking capitalist economy,
0: which some people accuse elements of the Irish economy of being, um, favours granted by the states to privileged sectors in that economy uh, make them very rich, perhaps at the expense of the common weal.
2: And that's the. That, that's the tricky bit about implementing policies like this. Now, would we be prepared as a, as a society? Would we be prepared to see them get very rich again if it delivered the sort of housing that so many, so many people clearly need? And could that be done in such a way as to prevent damage, uh, economic damage uh, down the line? That's a very complicated question. But I think what... Fianna Fall have done him, is what Cowan no. has is done is, is they've certainly opened that up now oh, OK well, I'm not going to stop here Pat thanks for joining us
0: Fiek Kelly has been ensconced with the cream of Sinn Féin for their annual think-in which is taking place yesterday and today in Gormiston County Meath Fiac, have you been impressed by the quality of the thinking which is being put in?
3: The thinking may be clear but the messaging is somewhat muddled uh, Hugh the main issue yesterday was Cherry Adams' leadership will he step down will he announce when he is stepping down What we got from Gerry Adams was a commitment that he will outline his intentions about leading the party at the November Ordesh, which is expected to take place in the RDS. Now, people in Sinn Féin are saying it's not a matter of uh, if but when he will stand aside. But Adams saying that he will put himself forward for re-election at Ordesh, I suppose, indicates maybe that he could stay on at least another year and possibly lead them into a general election. But then against that, they're saying that there is a possibility of a second order sometime around March or April at which this issue could be dealt with. And Adams was asked in the last few days whether he would stand in his loud constituency at the next election. And what he actually said there was he would, at this moment in time, that is his intention. So we're not quite clear on the biggest issue facing Sinn Féin in the months ahead, which is the issue of Adams' leadership. On the issue of whether they'll go into government that's a lot more clearer. They are quite definitive now that they do want to go into government, even if it means jun- being a junior coalition partner to Fianna fall or Fianna Gael. They'll have to get through a discussion process with their grassroots and have that decision ratified by a party or a dish. but the message from the leadership and the parliamentary party is very clear. They want to be in government.
0: How connected are those two elements of Sinn Féin's strategy, the, le- the, leadership, the approach to the leadership and the approach to government?
3: From an internal Sinn Féin point of view, Sinn Féin will w- would wish it wouldn't be so, but they're not going to go into government with Jerry Adams as the leader. That's just a basic political fact. Nobody is going to entertain thoughts of coalition with Sinn Féin until Adams stands down. It's quite difficult for people to even entertain thoughts of coalition with Sinn Féin, with Adams removed from the scene. If Mary Lou McDonald MacDonald was even leader, we've seen Miha Martin out over the weekend again, ruling it out. Simon Harris saying, it doesn't matter who leads Sinn Féin, we're not going to go into government with them. I think... It is clear that they won't go into government with Adams as leader. And I think Sinn Féin probably privately realised that, even though they won't admit it. And Adams himself promptly realises that. Like, if you look at that cadre of the older generation of Sinn Féin, Martin Ferris is standing again. He's stepping down as the TD for Kerry. You know, Desi Ellis in Dublin Northwest, there's question marks over him. There is some sort of an awareness by some people in Sinn Féin that the new generation needs to step up in order to lead them into government.
0: And then the choreography of that might go well for them, but there is the you know the there's the known unknown, which is when the election actually takes place. So if that were sprung on them, this choreography might not work out, or might it work in such a way? I, could we envisage a situation where an election takes place, Jerry Adams is still in place because he hasn't pirouetted out the door quite yet, but then in the interregnum, Shin, uh, Jerry Adams steps aside for the good of the Sinn Fein and the good of the country, and that becomes part of whatever deal might emerge.
3: That's a thought that's knocking around, that he would be a kind of a, a bargaining chip in, in, in a coalition dance. But I think the main reason for getting rid of Adams would be that, you know, if you think, if you think forward that election campaign, we'll have a TV debate with Leo Varadkar, the brand new leader of Fine Gael, Michael Martin, quite nimble on his feet, nimble intellectually, and then Adams, who has proven himself not to be a good campaigner and a good debater. So perhaps Mary Lou would be the the right person for the party in there at that time, presenting a new face to the public. But there is the other thing that Sinn Féin have to weigh up, that Adams is the glue that keeps the organization together. He's also a very big draw for them as a brand. People vote for Sinn Féin because of Gerry Adams. So they have to decide whether moving on from him is worth, I suppose, losing that cohesiveness, cohesiveness between North and South and also removing an element of why they are attractive to their electorate.
0: Now, Sinn Féin is unique among parties on this island, uh, with all due respect to People Before Profit and the Green Party, in that it is seeking to be in government in both jurisdictions. And Michelle O'Neill, the Northern leader, was speaking this morning. What did she have to say?
3: She said this morning, just in the past while, that there are now grounds for formal negotiations to begin between the DUP and Sinn Féin to get the Northern executive back up and running. Now, it looks like there's a high degree of coordination about this she had barely finished speaking before Arlene Foster had a statement out saying that, yes, talks should now begin getting the executives back up and running. Um, Foster and Sinn Féin both said there have been informal contacts behind the scenes over the last week and a half to move in this direction and would even lead you to believe perhaps that Foster's speech last week to her own party at which she said, you know, that we shouldn't be threatened by the Irish language. It's not a threat to the union. She gave soft words that was rejected out of hand by Sinn Féin, you do get the feeling now that that was all part of a coordinated process towards these formal talks. The other interesting thing she said about that, uh, Michelle O'Neill, that is, is she sought to tackle this idea, more primarily coming from parties in Dublin, that in order to prove its bona fides as a party of government in the south, that Sinn Féin has to be serious about Stormont in the north. She said that, like, you know, she rejects that argument. She said they are serious about Stormont. They want the executive up and running. But she said that that doesn't mean, you know, that their southern strategy influences what they do in the north. So that was an interesting, uh, I suppose, passage of that speech, they probably have identified that as a weakness now, want to address it. And maybe that will kind of spur them into action to get Stormont back up and running again.
0: Because that's always been a tension within the party, whether or not they accept it publicly or not, isn't it? Is which strategy, which objective is more important, uh, the northern one or the southern one?
3: Yeah, and, you know, even if you... I remember a couple of weeks ago, we had Jeffrey Donaldson on on the podcast suggesting that, you know, the southern strategy was all and the northern strategy was just subject to the southern interests. I suppose, you know, their longer-term ambitions are, of course, in the south, and they don't have any real love for the system up in the the north, even though they say they want to function. It's not their goal. Their goal is Irish unity. But I suppose the longer-term goal is to get into power in the south and work towards Irish unity, and perhaps that would take precedence over what happens in the north
0: I wish you'd leave it there Fiac thanks very much for joining us and that's it for this week's podcast remember you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcast or indeed you can subscribe via iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider is and if you are already a subscriber we are always very grateful if you take a moment to share or recommend the podcast to other potential listeners thanks very much to our producer Declan Conlon and engineer JJ Vernon remember you can mail me at hlinnehan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter at hlinahan. but until the next time goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening we